back to 1 John. Uh, for those of you that were with us when we started the journey, we're walking through the book of 1 John, just kind of section by section as we go, verse by verse. And uh, give you a little bit of background. Uh, John, 1 John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are actually some of the last books written to the church. Uh, the church at this point has gone for about uh, 40 years or so after Christ uh, has been on the earth. By this point, uh, the church is starting to struggle. Uh, there's persecution. Uh, there's difficulty. Uh, there's all kinds of groups coming into the church teaching this and teaching that. The church is getting confused. One of the big issues of time was a thing called Gnosticism. What Gnosticism taught was this. It said there is a spiritual world and there is a physical or material world, and we, we agree. And they said the spiritual world is good, which we agree, and they said the material world is bad, in which we kind of go, mm, depends. But they taught that the material world was bad, the spiritual world was good, and in their world, and their mind, and the teachings of Gnostics, none of those ever connected. So there's no way you could bring those two worlds together. You were either spiritual or you were, you were uh, physical, material world. Everything fell into one of those two worlds. So there are two, two beliefs that came out of that. One belief said you should always live in the spiritual world. And in that belief system, what it meant was you would, you would try to reach nirvana or a higher level of meaning to life, and you had secret knowledge, and, and you would pursue that kind of aesthetic lifestyle of if it was material, it was wrong. So some of those people said you can't own anything. You, can't, um, you, you just need to pray and meditate and, and become holy. The other group said, well, if, if there's a spiritual world and there's a physical world and they're never connected, then it doesn't matter what I do in the material world. So their idea was, I can live in, the, in this world and call myself a Christian. And call, by the way, he's fine. He's fine, seriously. I'm, I'm good. Um, if you don't have crying children in church, you have a dead one. But anyway, okay. Uh, the idea is, huh? Yeah, church. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the clarity, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We actually had somebody came to the church, and, and again, they've been here back and forth before, but they went, I can't believe people talk out in church. He said, I've never been to a church like that. It's like, no, you won't come to one like this. This is an odd one. Anyway, um, they loved it, but they just thought it was unique. They were like, people actually listen. Yes, that was, that's the goal. Uh, so anyway, uh, so they taught that there were these, so they said, you know, you can call yourself spiritual, and since the spiritual and physical aren't connected, you can live however you want in this world. So the other belief with them among the Gnostics were that do whatever you want, and you can still be spiritual. And so John writes this book, one of the things that he deals with a lot in here is, no, 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 these two worlds are very connected. Because you see, the doctrinal lessons from Gnosticism said that Jesus could not be a man. That Jesus, that God, could not come in flesh. So in the Gnostic teaching, Jesus was not God. And it was heresy. Because the spiritual world and the material world could never come together. And John writes this book to go, no, 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 no. These two are very, very connected. 
And what you do in the physical world affects your spiritual life. And what you do in your spiritual life should affect your material world. They are very connected. And he's talked about this. He's written this book so that you can know you're a Christian. So he's talked about it already in in chapters 1 and and what we've gone through so far in chapters 1 and 2. He's taught that obedience, one of the ways that you can know you're a believer is whether or not you're obedient to the Word of God. Because believers have a desire to please God, so they're going to be obedient to what God says. Another way that he talks about it is whether or not you love one another. John says that's, that's a mark of a Christian. That's what a Christian looks like. A Christian loves God, but he also loves other people. See, in the Gnostic world, you could say, I love God, and you could hate everybody. And John said, no, no, these two worlds are very, very connected. If you're going to tell me you love God, then you better love other people too, because they're connected. So that's what he's talked about at this point this morning he's going to make a shift now he's dealt with obedience he's dealt with the idea of love now he's going to deal with the issue of truth and he's going to talk about a a, a genuine christian and his and his relationship to truth to the word of god so he's going to introduce that section and that's what we'll be talking with the next couple of weeks so uh let's get started on uh first john chapter two and here's what it says i'll read it all and then we'll go back through it first way dear children so he's writing to christians This is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. And he goes on. He says, they went out from us, but they really did not belong to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. All right, um, leave this up for a second, guys. Um, anybody remember in high school or college when you studied poetry? <laughs> Yay! Uh, no, remember in poetry, things were put in, like, groups, and you had, like, okay, line A goes to line B, and A, it goes, so it goes A, B, A, B, or A, B, B, A, or A, B, C, A, B, C. Remember all of that? Okay. In the Greek language, that's why the first two verses of this thing are, right? It's what we would call, in the Greek language, we call it A-B-B-A, all right? Here's how it goes. This is the last hour. That's line A, okay? Line B is many antichrists have come. Line B, again, is, um, oh, antichrist is coming, line B. Antichrists have come, so... This is the last hour. Antichrist has come. Many antichrists are coming. This is the last hour. A, B, B, A. That's how it's laid out. Okay? So it's like the, the parentheses is this is the last hour. In the middle of that is antichrist is coming, and many antichrists have already come. It's, it's the idea of look. Okay, now, we've got to stop and pause. We've got to ask ourselves, like, okay, why the last hour? All right? And this is strongly. In the Bible, when you see last days, last times, end times, last hour, you have to understand they're all relating to the end times, the, 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 the time before God, Jesus Christ comes back. This is written in first century. And you go, well, it's last hour. That was like 2,000 years ago. You mean like we're still in the last hour? Yeah, because remember this. Time is a human concept. See, you and I are the only ones that have a concept of time. God has no concept of time. God is eternal. Time is something that's used for us, not for him. So if you take eternity, 
and we take a group of 2,000 years and put it somewhere on this line of eternity, yeah, it's like an hour or a day. You know, it's, it, it, it's minuscule. And so what he's saying is, John's saying, in the last times, in the last hour, Antichrist has come, and many Antichrists are coming. Many Antichrist, or Antichrist has, let me get this wrong, Antichrist is coming, and many Antichrists have come. John's the one who introduces the idea of Antichrist. So let's break it down really simple. Anti means what? Against. Christ means what? Christ, Messiah. Actually, anointed one, which we'll play into this in a minute. Christ, Messiah. Anti-Christ, against Christ, against God. John says this, look, you need to understand, again, he's talking to the church, Gnosticism's crept in, all kinds of other things crept in. So you need to understand, there are people that are in the church that are anti-Christ, that are anti-God, that are anti-against what God wants you to know. And he goes on. And again, we see the ABBA thing. Here's what, here's what he says. They went out from it. Oh, no, 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 go back. Go back, go back, go back. Thank you. They went out from us. That's line A. But they really didn't belong to us. That's line B. For if they had belonged to us, that's line B, they would have remained with us. So the parentheses here is, they went out from us, they would have remained with us. And the middle is, the reason they went out is because they really didn't belong to us. So here's what John says. There are people that have left the church, and the reason they left, they're on a different page. They didn't believe what it is that we believe. John said that's why, that's why they're gone, because they didn't believe it. Um, now, okay, let me big, big jump here. Be careful that you don't apply this to, like, this church and go, okay, if somebody comes here for a while and then leaves, that's because they're not on the same page. Da, da, da. No, 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 that's not what this is saying. We're talking about core doctrinal truths here, okay? Churches are like ice cream. You know, there are a lot of flavors sometimes, you know, and, and, and people prefer one flavor over another. Um, and so in some cases, so people, you know, my issue with somebody when they leave this church is, are you going to a good gospel preaching church? And then my next question is, are you involved? Now, not to attend, you want to be a part of it. You want to be contributing to it. You want to, be, you want to, be, you want to have a ministry there. Okay? And, so, and, and that's what John's saying here. Look, they left us because they were never really a part of us. They never really believed and embraced what we were embracing and that kind of thing. And then he goes on to say this. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. This is really important for you to understand. John is telling believers, look, you've been anointed. Everyone here, when God saved you, He anointed you. Now, in the Old Testament, anointing was a big deal. Because in the Old Testament, anointing, we anointed something or something in order to set it apart for something special. If it was a sacrifice, it was set apart for a sacrifice. If it was a person, they were set apart for a job. Um, whether, whether it be a priest or whether it be somebody going serving in the temple, they were set apart. They, they, were, they, were, they were anointed for that. And John says, look, you, you've been anointed. He's been anointed. God's anointed you. And notice what he says, and all of you know the truth. In other words, when God anoints you, when God puts the Holy Spirit in you and seals you, 
you have the ability to know what's true and what's not. Because again, what's he doing? John's saying, look, there's many antichrists that have come into the church. You have been anointed. You can figure out who's true and who's not. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. I get nervous when people come to me and go, you know what, Pastor? I've got like this special thing, and God like speaks to me in special, unique ways, and he shows me stuff. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're making me really nervous, you know? Um, I, I had a situation, so I, and I, I looked at him point blank, and I said, let me ask you a question. How do you know it's from God? They never thought about that. They, never, they just assume, well, it's, and I'm like, well, you know, because the Bible says test the spirits, try them, figure out which side it's coming from. It's only coming from one of two sides. You're from God, it's from Satan. You've got to figure out where it, where, where it falls in there. Because here's my question. In 2014, I have the Holy Spirit in my heart as a Christian. I have the Word of God. Tell me what else I need to know. Tell me whatever special thing out there it is that I should have that nobody else gets to have. I got everything I need. Now, whether or not I use it or access it, that's a whole different question. But I have everything I need. You know, and I get people, you know, they're like, you know, well, you know, I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. Let me tell you something. If you love God, if you're serving God, if you're trying to find out the truth, let me tell you something. God will use you. You will say what you're supposed to say, and you will not say what you're not supposed to say. I have that much confidence and trust in God. And John says here, look, you've been anointed. You have been sealed. You have been set apart. Why? Because you know the truth. Look, most of you know what's right from wrong. Now, we justify wrong a lot, but we know what's right or what's wrong. You know, we know. And, and the way that we know is by knowing what the book says. And it comes down to what does the book say? What does God say? What's the Holy Spirit saying in your heart? You know, is there conviction there when you're doing wrong? And he says this, I do not write to you because you don't know the truth. He says, I'm writing because you guys know it. Because oh, here's what happened. John's talking about Antichrist. These people are all getting nervous. Well, maybe, maybe I'm against Christ. Maybe I'm one of those. Goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me back it up. Let me encourage you here. God set you apart. God's given you the truth. You can figure out who in this church is right and who in this church is wrong. You have the truth. You have an anointing from God. You can do that. You have that. Listen to me. You and I, because we have the Holy Spirit and because we have the Word of God, we can know what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, I'll get people come to me and go, Pastor, you know, I'm really strong with this. Is this right or wrong? I will not give them an answer. I'll say, well, the Bible says this, and the Bible says this, and the Bible says this. But I'm not, I'm not about to be your conscience. That's between you and God. If you're a Christian, you should be able to figure it out. That's what John's saying here. You should be able to figure out why. Because the Holy Spirit is in your life as an anointing. That's what he does. He lays it out to these people. He says, look, you guys can figure this out. It's okay. You can know who's, who's true and who's not. And he, lay, and he tells the people, listen to John 16. Here's where Christ, by the way, John, John is in the room when Jesus says this. John comes from John 16. And then John wrote 1 John. Okay, you put it all together. I have much more to say to you. This is Jesus speaking now in the upper room with the disciples. He says, I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. The Holy Spirit hadn't come. They hadn't been anointed. They hadn't been sealed yet. That's going to happen in Acts 2. And he says, look, 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said to you, the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, He gives us the ability to do that. And Jesus looked at these disciples in a time when they were all confused. He goes, look, I, there's a lot of stuff I've got to tell you guys, but right now it would just be like information overload and you couldn't handle it all. But there's coming a time when the Holy Spirit will be a part of your life and you'll get it. And you'll understand it. Forty plus years later, John writes in 1 John, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know the truth. You can know what's right from wrong. So, a um, couple of takeaways, a couple of things I think for us to um, apply for this week and, and, and kind of work on. Here's the first thing. We have got to get back to being discerning as believers. You understand that when John says this, he's judging people? He's saying, all those people that left, they left because they weren't part of us. He's judging people. You know, we, we, we're in a culture, and, and when the second I said judgment, what did you guys think? Tell me what verse came to your mind. Judge not, lest ye be judged. But what's the rest of the verse? Huh? Exactly right. We don't, the world doesn't quote the rest of the verse. You know what the rest of the verse says? For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. It doesn't say don't judge. It says just be careful how you judge, because whatever judgment you use, that's the standard you're going to be held to. That's what the verse says. But we always hear, well, I'm not supposed to judge. Really? Stop and think about it for a minute. If you try to live your life this week, without judging, without making a judgment, you would be paralyzed. I make a judgment every time I go to the grocery store on which store I go to over all the others. Are you ready for this? I am judgmental when it comes to bananas because I will not buy bananas anymore at Sam's. You're exactly right, because my experience is they ripen faster than any other bananas. So I either go to Walmart, Hy-Vee, I haven't done Hy-Vee bananas yet, uh, Fairway or Fairway. Fairway seems to stay the longest for me. So you know what? When it comes to buying bananas in Sioux City, I'm judgmental. I judge. Can you imagine? We're gonna, we're, okay, we're going to start a basketball game, and here, here's the first thing, guys. We're not going to make any judgments on the game. In fact, we're not even going to have referees. We're just going to sit them on the side and you guys go play. Can you imagine any sport with no judgment? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I told, again, if I told you not to judge? If I told you this week not to make a judgment call, you couldn't shop. You couldn't do anything. Because every, every time I pull in the gas station, I make a judgment call that I'm choosing this gas over that gas. Every time I go to the grocery store, I make a judgment call. Dr. Pepper or Mr. Pibb? <sighs> like that's a choice. You know, I, 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 the one thing I love about Texas, you can go anywhere in Texas and get a Dr. Pepper. You know, 
Here it's like, you know, Dr. Pepper, well, we have Mr. Pibb. You know, I look at, I look at the waitresses now and go, okay, well, you, you know, it, <laughs> I, I joke with them about this, so I'm not rude about it. But when they look at me and go, Mr. Pibb, I look at them and say, Mis- comparing Mr. Pibb to Dr. Pepper is like comparing Monopoly money to real money. Okay? You want me to leave you a tip in Monopoly money? No. So, you know, no, no, I don't say, I, I do say it as a joke. I say it as a joke. I say it jokingly with them because they always laugh, you know, they always laugh. I say, you know, I'm not going to tip you in Monopoly money. Don't give me Mr. Pibb as a replacement for Dr. Pepper. They are different. And I can tell. I can tell. I have a refined Dr. Pepper palate. So anyway, but I make a judgment call. And yet in the world, somebody makes a judgment or somebody judges something. And we go, oh, don't judge. You've been judged. You be not judged. No, 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 no. No, you and I are forced as believers to make a judgment every single day in everything. There's nothing wrong with judging. Now, how you do it is a whole different world. The Bible says I don't speak truth, but I don't speak truth in love. How I do it is important. In fact, but it's essential that we, we are people. We do judge. We, everybody, everybody in this world judges. There's nothing wrong with judging. In fact, I would maintain, John here argues that yes, we should. Because we know the truth and we have to decide between what's true and what's anti-God or anti-Christ. But what's happened in America is we've become lazy Christians. Yes, I'm judging. We've become lazy Christians, and you know what we believe? If you throw the name Christian in front of it, it's okay. So, it, 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 so, so all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, yeah, I know it's adultery, but it's like, you know, they're, they're Christians, so it's okay. Really? Don't, I've heard it. You know, actually, I actually saw some, this was years ago, a Christian stripper. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. No, I saw. I saw an article about it. No, I did not see a Christian stripper. Wow. See, my whole world's been messed up. We painted our bedroom this week, and, and nothing's the same. And I'm just, I am so messed up, I can't think straight. You know, yeah, it's it. Some paint fumes. <laughs> oh, me. Gee. Okay, I'm going to crawl back in a hole, and I'll come out next week. No, but I mean, seriously, it, it's the idea. We put Christian in front of it, and it's okay. Are you ready for this? Christian bookstore. You think everything in the Christian bookstore is Christian? Well, yeah, we walk in because it has Christian on it and think everything in here is okay to buy. Why? Because it's a Christian bookstore. No. Let me tell you something. There's some anti-Christ stuff in there. You've got to be discerning. You've got you to make a judgment call. And one of the things that John is saying here is, that, look, you and I have the Holy Spirit. We can know truth, and we can make those calls because we any lie is not of the truth so it's imperative for us first of all to learn to be discerning and i i I stress it because we're in a world in which all of that stuff has kind of gone out the window and so we let 
all kinds of people in our culture through a Christian in front of it, and we go, hey, that's okay. And it's not. It's not. We have to be discerning. Second takeaway from this is the idea of, look, you're anointed. You know what that means? That means God's got a purpose for you. You never anointed anything in the Old Testament unless it had a specific purpose and plan for it. You can just walk out in the, in the yard with all the sheep and go, okay, I'm just going to like anoint you all and we'll see what happens. No, no, no. You pick the one out that was going to be the sacrifice, that was going to be there. You set it aside. You watched it for seven days. You made sure that it was all okay. Then you went and you anointed it and sacrificed it as a special purpose. It had a plan. And when John says you have been anointed, let me tell you something. What, where you are right now in your life, if, if you love God, you're trying to do what's right, where you are right now in your life, what God is doing right now in your life is no accident. And you may think that God has you in the wrong job, but the reality of it is God has you exactly where he wants you. And there is a plan, and there's a purpose, and he has a reason for it. And he has set you there to be a light, to be a testimony, to be a witness. And I know some of the places that some of you work, I mean, God bless you. And I know it's tough. And I know it's hard. And I know you, the language that you hear and the way you hear people talk all day long and the stuff, and, and you, you try to steer away from as much of it as possible, but you're just surrounded by it. I, you know, I understand that. And my heart goes out to you. It's why I pray for you, because I know it's got to be hard. Let me tell you something. God's got you there for a reason. You, know, you heard last week in the testimonies, you know, I wanted God to do it this way, but God did it this way, and now that I look back, I see God's hand in it. Why? Because God has anointed. God has set us apart. God has put us where he wants us. And it's so important because the more we fight it, the less God can use us because we're, our focus is on getting out or moving on or going to the next place instead of, as one guy said, one pastor said, which would kind of been the theme for me, instead of blooming where you're planted. You're fighting. Um, old, old, older pastor, and he wrote a book, and one of, the, one of the first things that he said in the book, talking about ministry, was he said, he said, as a pastor, some of the best advice I could give you is bloom where you're planted. There's so many guys are looking for that next spot, looking to do that next move, looking for that next church. He said, bloom where you're planted. And what I would say to you is, bloom where God's planted you. He's anointed you. He's set you apart. He's put you there for a purpose. And then the, the last takeaway, I think, of the whole thing is the idea of faithfulness. He said, look, the reason that they didn't, the reason they didn't stay is because they weren't a part of this in the beginning. Now, I don't say that every person who comes here and then goes away, you know, it's because they don't believe what we believe. I, I don't believe that, you know. But you know what concerns me? When somebody goes away and they're not, they're not here anymore and I, I come to them and I say, hey, look, what's the deal? And then I hear some story and usually the story goes something like this. Well, you know, I mean, I love the church and I love everybody there and did it, but so-and-so, you know, they just ticked me off and they said this and you did and they believed this and we, 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 you know, it's like the Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. And here's how I know. Because then I ask the next question. So where are you going? Oh, we're not going anywhere. You know what? It wasn't about that person. It wasn't about that person at all. 
And I, 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 honestly, I get concerned for them. Because my concern for them is this. So where are you getting fed spiritually? Where are you ministering? Well, I don't need church, you know. I can, like, go out in the woods with a gun and worship God and... Wait a minute. One of, the, one of the only things in all of creation that God said was not good was that man was not alone. God, God put within us the desire for relationships. God put within us, within creation, the idea that we are to be in relationship with other people. That's why the church came about that's why he created this whole concept of the church because it's about being in relationship with one another and so i always get concerned when it's like okay you know and then if i dive a little bit further and it's like okay you know you got kids yeah yeah yeah, we got kids okay so who's backing up what you're teaching them in your home who's the voice reinforcing what you have those of you that have kids here this morning you, you you know my goal as a pastor is to be that second voice for you. My goal is so that not only do they hear it from you, but what they hear from you is the same thing that they hear from me. That it's that, it's that reinforcement kind of thing. That's, that's what you want. You want to gather people around your children who are having the same message to your kids. And have those people involved in their life. Who's doing that? Who's doing that? You know? And you go, well, you know, they got some good teachers. Look, we got some great teachers in public and Christian schools and all that. We got some great people there. But you know what? In the public schools, talk to any one of them. You know what you'll hear them say? They are very limited in what they can say. They are really limited in what they can say. Most of what they have to do is model it with their life because they can get in trouble with their words. And you know, and, and it's sad, but that's the world we're in. And, and, and I want to I just challenge you with the idea of, you know what? I mean, you, you're here, so you know, you're, I, I'm challenging with the idea of being faithful, making sure you plug in. As someone said, you know, God didn't save you to sit and soak. Okay? You've been anointed set apart for a reason, for a purpose, to go, to, go have a ministry somewhere. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be here. Have a ministry somewhere. The biggest challenge that I face as a pastor is, and again, there are certain questions that drive me. Here's one that drives me for this church. If we shut the doors tomorrow, would anybody in the community know or care? Because if we're doing our job, people should know, and it should make a difference in ministries in other people's lives all the way down the line. Why? Because we are here to minister. We are here to serve. We are here to call to the community that God has put us in. And it's the same thing for you. Serve somewhere. Be faithful. Plug it in. Stick with it. Keep going with what God's called you to do. And let God use you. And John's saying, look, if, if they were really part of us, they'd still be here. They'd still be here. Because people were all upset. Because people had laughed. And again, we, you know, we don't have that. And again, you know, I'm, not, I'm just saying that for us, we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful to what God's called us to do. And so I want to encourage you to do it this week. For those of you who are struggling, listen. God set you apart. He hadn't forgotten you. You know, 
don't you go yeah but I, you know there's been so much hurt and so much pain and so much difficulty in my life God never wastes a hurt you know most of you were blessed this morning because we watched somebody who hurt all last year and stood up and said and you know and I, I give Alice tremendous amount of credit for being honest about this is where I was this is what you know um, this is what I struggled with this is where I've been and this is what God's done and yet you watch this morning somebody who said you know I'm not going to waste the hurt I'm not going to live with the hurt I'm not going to move on I'm going to let God use me and, and do what God wants to do that's what we should all do I mean, that's a lesson for all of us so I want to challenge you to really this week be discerning okay be discerning about the stuff you watch the stuff you listen to the stuff you do look at how God can use you this week because he wants to he wants to and be faithful to whatever he's called you to do so I end it with this my prayer this week that you recognize those that are against Christ. God challenges us, John challenges us to stay faithful, to acknowledge the fact that he has set us apart for a purpose, to allow him to use you, because that's what he wants to do this week. But he leaves that choice with you. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, as we go into this week, Lord, may we keep our focus on you, May we keep our focus on your word, your truth, the Holy Spirit. God, would you help us to be discerning? And Lord, as we hear things, as we see things on the news, as we hear things um, in the media, may we be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Lord, as we speak in the community and among our friends, may we speak the truth, but may we speak it in love. Lord, would you use us? And um, God lead us this week to the people who you have for us to minister to and when it's all said and done we gather back here next week lord we give you the honor the glory and the